Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast, COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. In this 2017 audio, the North Dakota House debates the Convention of States resolution. North Dakota later became the 10th state to successfully adopt our Article 5 application calling for a convention to propose term limits, fiscal restraints, and reduction of scope and power of the federal government. Congress does not have the power or authority to determine any rules for governing of a convention, nor do they have the authority to set the number or name the delegates to the convention. The power to name delegates remains exclusively with the state legislature. An amendment convention of the states means that the state shall vote on the basis of one state, one vote. One state, one vote. The convention must not be limited to the, the convention must be limited to three and only three topics and no other. And this application made with the expressed understanding that an amendment that in any way seeks to amend, modify, or repeal any provision of the Bill of Rights is not authorized. The three topics are limited to the following imposing fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. Congress may determine whether proposed amendments are ratified by the 38 state legislatures or by 38 ratifying conventions, but in either case, proposals must be ratified by three-fourths of the states or 38 states. That means that 13 states could block any proposed amendment and actually only one chamber within those 13 states, not both, could block. And the Legislative Assembly may provide further instructions to its delegates and may recall delegates at any time for breach of duty, something that North Dakota has already passed. So arguments for the Convention of the States. The states control the Article 5 convention process from beginning to end. The call we are discussing with respect to Congress simply sets the date, time, and location. The state legislatures control the selection and commission of their delegates. Congress cannot use its Article I powers to control the Article V Convention. In fact, why would Congress even bother to make a legally doomed effort to try to control the Article V mechanism when it can simply propose their own amendments under Article V power at any time? No matter who proposes amendments, and by the way, all 27 amendments have been proposed by Congress, the requirement of 38 states for ratification guarantees that only amendments supported by a wide majority of Americans could become a part of our Constitution. The very first Article 5 application was passed by the Virginia legislature in November of 1788. In fact, logic and history tells us Article 5 did not exist during the 1787 convention, Constitutional Convention. It only existed as a tool created within our Constitution, which was ratified the following year. The states could propose specific language, for instance, a balanced budget amendment, but then only the first state that has drafted that language can have meaningful debate and deliberate the wording. We must all recognize a few things. The United States grants us, the state legislators of the several states, power to propose amendments. What's being proposed here are limiting powers to the federal government and Congress. Who in their right mind would not recognize that Congress would never propose amendments that would limit its own power? This is the tool given to us, the state legislatures. 
Legislators, you've probably been receiving emails saying vote against a CONCON. Since this is not a constitutional convention or a CONCON, the creators of those emails are either A, unaware of the difference between a convention of the states and a constitutional convention, or they're deliberately distorting the facts of a convention of the states by calling it something it is not. Mr. Speaker, I speak with some experience as this past summer I was fortunate to participate in the first of its kind mock Article 5 Convention of the States. Getting 34 states to agree on language in both their House and their Senate chambers, then coming up with proposed amendments to be debated and passed by a majority at the convention, then getting 38 states to ratify in both their House and Senate chambers is a monumental task. Since returning from Virginia, I've been thinking of a good analogy when discussing this process, and the best that I've got is this. One can view the Constitution as a toolbox, and as legislators, our toolbox has one available tool. Consider that Article 5 tool a hammer, and Congress are the nails. It's up to the several states and state legislatures to determine which, if any, and when, if ever, the nails need the hammer. Members of the North Dakota House of Representatives, the only question you must ask yourselves regarding 3006 is this. Who do you trust more, Congress or yourself? I urge a green vote. Is there further discussion? Representative Johnston. Uh, Mr. Speaker and members of the Assembly, some people I admire very much have stood in opposition to an Article 5 convention. The late Antonius Galia, he said this in 2014, I certainly would not want a constitutional convention. I mean, whoa, who knows what would come out of that. Later he would go on to say a constitutional convention is a horrible idea. This is not a good century to write a constitution. And by the way, the context of that uh, discussion was an Article 5 convention, and Chief, uh, Chief Justice uh, Scalia, he understood perfectly well that an Article 5 convention was, was a constitutional convention. The late great Phyllis Shoffley voiced grave concern over an Article 5 convention, and the organization she founded, Eagle Forum, continues to stand in opposition to this idea. I remember when, I had man, when, a, when a man I admire very much, Michael Ferris, said that Phyllis Shoffley had never been wrong. I agree. In the last month, four conservative states have rejected this call for a convention. Arkansas, Virginia, Wyoming, and South Dakota. The fight to reject the call for a convention in South Dakota was led by some of the most conservative members of that chamber. Perhaps you know and are friends with some of them. Something that is ignored by CONCON proponents is the actual text of Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution. The only power guaranteed to state legislatures is to apply. If two-thirds of the states apply for a convention, Congress must call the convention. And the convention proposes amendments, plural. It doesn't say state applications set the convention agenda, or even that states will select the delegates, even though proponents claim states will control the whole process. On the contrary, consider the last clause of Article 1, Section 8. The Congress shall have power to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers, and all other powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or office thereof. Based on this necessary and proper clause, Congress would have the power to not only call an Article 5 convention, but to determine other important aspects of the convention. 
such as the time, location, delegate apportionment, that's a sticky one, immunity, pay, etc. Furthermore, the Congressional Research Service has stated, while the Constitution is silent on the mechanics of an Article V convention, Congress has traditionally laid claim to broad responsibilities in connection with the convention, including receiving, judging, and recording state applications, establishing procedures to summon a convention, setting the amount of time allotted to its deliberation, determining, determining the number and selection process for its delegates, another sticky one, setting internal convention procedures, including formula for allocation of votes among the states. Proponents of a convention always point out that it will take three-fourths of the states to ratify a potential amendment. To them, this is a good insurance policy which will prevent bad amendments from being ratified. But this premise is, is flawed and implies that bad amendments have never been ratified by the states. What about the 16th Amendment given against the federal income tax? That was a dandy. How about the 17th Amendment which took the power away from the state legislatures to appoint their senators and gave that power to the people, which effectively created two mob rule chambers of Congress, effectively destroying the checks and balances spelled out by our Constitution? What about the 18th Amendment, prohibition? Though well intended, led to the creation of organized crime like our country had never seen before. We could also talk about the 14th Amendment, which gave us anchor babies and possibly the most liberal immigration policy in the world. It's pretty easy to see that states have ratified bad amendments that caused great harm to the fabric of our nation and the intent of our Constitution. By the way, those amendments I just mentioned were, were ratified under the traditional process and they were heard one at a time and the states still ratified them. Now picture five, 10, 15 amendments coming at one time to the states. You honestly don't think some bad amendments are gonna get ratified? This past summer, a private entity hosted a mock convention where the participants voted on six amendments in an enduring two-day process and then shook hands and went home. Remember, this was a private venture in which the delegates were cherry-picked, the process orchestrated, and the outcome scripted. In no way can this mock convention be used as a blueprint for a true Article V convention. As you know as well as I, that once the sticky hands of the feds get hold of this process, it will be the circus, the soul of our time. Mr. Speaker and members of the Assembly, let's join the other conservative states that rejected this by acting on the words of Justice Scalia. Whoa, we certainly do not want a convention. Who knows what might come out of that? Please vote no on HCR 3006. Thank you. Is further discussion? Representative Marvin Nelson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, members of the House. I'm just going to speak once on these Article 5s. You know, I've looked into it quite a bit, and what I find is I'm not that afraid of using the Constitution. I'm not afraid of a government of, by, and for the people. And always the opposition is the boogeyman's going to get you. Something's going to come up. Something's going to jump out of the dark. and Something really bad's going to show up. This is the way we do it. It's the state's power, the state's rights. I'm not afraid of this, and I would ask people to please vote green on this. Thank you. Representative Rick Becker. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, members of the Assembly. Um, 
I was fortunate enough to be at that mock convention of states with representatives Lauser and Casper. Um, it, it was anything but scripted. Uh, there, it, was, it was all genuine. The people there all had great concern about what's happening in the country, had great reverence for the Constitution, and worked diligently to make the best type of product we could. And it was a mock trial, if you will, convention, because we wanted to see how would this work? Uh, what can we take from it uh, going forward? And so we at least have a glimpse, a little window of what it would look like. Um, so it, it, it was an authentic situation. I I'm, I'm feel very um, fortunate to have taken part in. I'll just say this about the, the Article 5. People that are most adamantly and passionately in favor and opposed share a lot of things in common. That is, again, a reverence and respect for the Constitution. For the most part, we also share a great concern that, that our Constitution, as it was intended by the founders, is eroding and is really just, a, uh, as, as it's affected now, a shadow of what it once was. So the concern for the, by those that are opposed is that something will go sideways, something will go awry, and we are going to lose what we have. My analogy is, is a patient who has a very, very bad illness. There's only one known treatment. Now that treatment has an understood chance of killing the patient. But if that's your only option, or to go ahead and die from the illness, which is 100% chance, you'll take the treatment. In my estimation, an Article 5 convention has a, a minuscule, uh, arguably non-existent chance of going sideways. But even if we accept that it's a very small chance, it is a heck of a lot smaller than the 100% chance of within just a couple few decades from now living in a truly post-constitutional society. So I do encourage a green vote. Representative Sukut. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Members of the Assembly, I'm uh, one of the millions of Americans that are frustrated and concerned with our nation's debt. $20 trillion growing every single day. And basically, what we've done so far up to this point is just print more money. Our forefathers, uh, in all their wisdom, and the older I get, the wiser they get, I have more and more respect for, for what they've done uh, as every day goes forward. They looked down the line and they saw that at some point in time the government is going to have more power than they should have. And they left us a way, a tool, to intervene, and that's Article 5. So if you're happy with where things are today with $20 trillion worth of debt and growing, then you should probably vote no on this bill. If you are concerned, you can vote green on this bill with me. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Is there further discussion? Representative Airtel. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Mr. Speaker and members of the Assembly, 
Um, I'll echo the uh, sentiments of Representative Johnston, and, and he said that, that there are uh, many people that he admire who have stood in opposition uh, to such a convention. I would uh, state the same and, and also say that there's many uh, people that I admire who stand in favor, and many among this, this body. However, I, I do stand in, in opposition uh, to this Article 5 convention, which has been called a convention of the states. Now, this uh, terminology, convention of the states, isn't something that we have heard uh, since a push for a convention under Article 5. Rather, it's a, it's a new packaging of a constitutional convention, which is indeed uh, what this resolution is calling for. And I, I know that uh, all of you probably have uh, attended conventions of your own, whether, whether it's uh, organizations within your communities or uh, party conventions. And I think that, that we should acknowledge that the person holding the gavel at the convention is, is really the one that's in charge of that convention. There are often rules suspended and, and even mics cut so that those who oppose certain uh, proposals are not heard. The uh, argument uh, about fear may be in, in part a valid argument. However, I, I would argue that fear is not always a bad thing. Fear does prevent us at times from traveling down the road at 150 miles an hour because we fear for our life. So I, so I don't think that uh, fear is necessarily always a bad thing. It, it helps us uh, use our prudence. And uh, the, the, uh, this Article 5 resolution that, that is before us, um, you know, we've, we have had them in the past, and, and a balanced budget is, is one of the, the biggest reasons that they seem to be called. And, and I do fear for our uh, financial stability in this country. However, I do not believe that what is really the problem in this country financially which is the Federal Reserve and our fractional reserve banking system has really been talked about much when it, when it comes to these Article 5 conventions. I would, I would also say that, that there, there is already a broad movement in this country uh, to limit the scope and power of the federal government. Um, our own uh, Senator Hoven has been instrumental in the RAINS Act. And the results of this uh, past November election, I think, and even uh, looking at those elected uh, within this body, shows that there is a movement in that direction. And regarding the mock convention, we hear that this is how it would be done. But I would respectfully correct 
uh, those who say that to say this is how it might be done. And there are other arguments about uh, Congress not having the power. I agree again with, with uh, Representative Johnston. If you read Article 5 verbatim, it, it does not anywhere in there talk about a convention of the states or how the delegates are to be allocated. So although I would like to believe myself that that is how the delegates would be appropriated, one vote, one state, I don't necessarily believe that to be the case. And there's also the argument about if Congress uh, should intercede or, or simply uh, claim that power to decide how the delegates are apportioned and how the convention would to be held overall, then we have the legal, uh, the courts to rely on. Well, I for one don't have a lot of faith in our federal court system right now. And the other fear that I have, and I do think that it is a rational fear, is that if the convention does run away, which is a term that, that we've heard argued in the past, that this method of ratification of three-fourths of the states may no longer be they may reduce it to two-thirds or even less, maybe a simple majority. And I think that the, uh, the resolution itself, I believe in section three, uh, talks and, and really acknowledges the fact that, that there could be a runaway convention. Elsewise, why would we enter into that resolution the reasons or the uh, qualifications that, that we are expecting as a legislature uh, to happen at that convention. So again, um, I rise in opposition to this resolution and I hope you follow suit. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Representative Ben Koppelman. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, members of the assembly. You know, I ask, uh, why would we be scared of this? You know, we've heard of the reverence that many of us have for our Constitution and for the founders that wrote it, one key founder being James Madison. And on one hand, we say, geez, we believe what the words actually say. We believe that, that they were probably divine intervention to have those words, and we believe what they say. But then on the other hand, we hear some of the same individuals who I agree with most of the time that, that have that reverency for those words saying, well, but maybe they got it wrong over here. Maybe we shouldn't trust the people. Maybe the words, how many states it takes to ratify could be changed. Maybe we don't believe that. I just can't, I just can't be there. And in this chamber, there are probably more people that are older than I am than younger. And I ask, what are we going to do for the generations that follow us? We've heard for better part of half a century of the fears of the CONCON or the runaway convention that have restrained our nation from using this opportunity to have the people take back the power that the government has taken and becoming too powerful and to right the balance of power between the branches of government. So which is it? Do we trust the words of James Madison? Do we believe that he was right, that he and the other founders 
saw an opportunity for the people to take back power from the federal government? Or should we try what some of the opponents to this have been saying? We'll just trust the system. Keep trying to elect a congressman that, that will have our interests ahead of their own, that the lobbyists can't influence, and maybe they'll return the power someday to us. And with $20 trillion in debt, nobody willing to buy that debt anymore, the Federal Reserve instead stealing from us by, by revaluing our currency in various ways, there's really no tricks left for accounting for that. So we don't have another 30, 40, 50, 100 years to turn these things around. And I would do not want to be judged by history as being one who sat idle and let my children's future go by the wayside. So please support this constitutional um, resolution. Thank you. Rep Representative Casper. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker, members of the Assembly. I appreciate the comments of all those who have spoken. I want to do, uh, mention a couple of points. You know, we do have precedent in the United States of conventions of the states being called over the years. In fact, there were 37 or 38 state conventions that were called by the various state legislatures on a limited scope. And they had various issues they wanted to discuss, none of which were to propose amendments to the United States Constitution, but there were various issues that the states were concerned about. Going back to the founding, 37 or 38 conventions of the states. In every one of those conventions, when those states came together and sent their representatives, the rules were adopted by the conventions of members who were there. It was one vote per state. There was open debate. There was nothing that ran away. They deliberated and they made their votes and they went home. So we do have great precedent of the states abiding by one vote for one state. Our founders, as has been said earlier, were very, very concerned that someday our federal government would get to the point that it is today, where they have forgotten the precepts of the Constitution. They no longer pass laws abiding by the Constitution. They ignore the will of the people. They pass legislation that is detrimental, and they keep on spending money. And remember, members of the House, we are a republic. We are formed by the states. We are a United States. We were formed by the states. The founders wanted the power to stay within the states. We've had, we've had amendments that have passed that have been said earlier that, that were ratified, and, and many of them were recalled. But the fact of the matter is the process worked, but the Congress proposed. The Congress is not going to propose to limit its power anymore. We have an opportunity by coming together as state legislatures with our representatives there to discuss proposed amendments. And only after 38 state legislatures would ratify every single one on its own merit would we have an amendment to the United States Constitution. So the question is, what are we going to do? We're going to continue to do nothing and let the federal government do what it's doing and take away the opportunity for our children and our grandchildren to have a free and open society? Or are we going to have a convention like this someday, and remember, we need 34 states to, to uh, pass this resolution with the limiting powers in the resolution, and are we going to look for the opportunity for the states to take back our power that the federal government and our founders gave us in the Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States? I certainly hope that you'll vote green on House Concurrent Resolution 3006. Thank you, Mr. Speaker.
Is, it, is there any further discussion? Representative Airtel, second time. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Mr. Speaker and members of the Assembly, um, the, uh, the conventions that were just previously spoke about uh, were not conventions in the same uh, line as an Article 5 convention. Uh, these were a number of states, not all of the states. So I think you need to keep that in mind when we talk about the history of conventions. And then uh, we're also told that we should trust ourselves uh, better than the, those in, in Congress. And yet, mo I would say that, that most of those that are in Congress, and, and maybe it's the vast majority, had their start in state legislatures. So to, to put ourselves somehow above others in that regard, I don't know is, is maybe the wisest uh, course of action. Excuse me. The, uh, the other thing I'd like to note is that there are a number of organizations who are opposed to this group who also uh, are concerned about the size and scope of government today, the federal government, including pro-Second Amendment organizations such as National Association for Gun Rights, Gun Owners of America, and as uh, Representative Johnston uh, previously stated, uh, Phyllis Schlaf Schlafly's uh, group, the Eagle Forum, And I, I do understand that uh, James Madison is, is uh, one of those who is oft uh, quoted regarding Article 5. But uh, doing a little digging recently, I also found contrary statements by him that they were regarding the vagueness uh, within Article 5 and, and his opposite opposition actually to to the proposal at the at the constitutional convention where he said that difficulties might arise as to the form the quorum etc and so i guess um i'll leave you with with a another quote and that is from from phyllis schlafly herself and and tie it into the to the previous statement i made about um our own abilities uh, to rightly amend the Constitution. Alas, I don't see any George Washingtons, James Madisons, or Ben Franklins around today who could do as good a job as the Founding Fathers, and I'm worried about the men who think they can. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Are there, is there any further discussion? Any further discussion? Seeing none, the House has before it for final consideration. House Concurrent Resolution 3006. Clerk, open the key and you may record your vote. Has every member voted? Do any members wish to change their vote? Key will be closed and the clerk will take the record. Final vote shows 69 yay, 18 nay. Seven absent not voting. House concurrent resolution 3006 is declared passed.
Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.